are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. This episode of Locked on Packers is brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. It is Packers Seahawks in week 10. I can't believe it is week 10 already. And based on all of the conversations that were had in press conferences over the course of Friday, they made it very clear Aaron Rodgers is expected to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers on Sunday at Lambeau Field. Jordan Love said, you know, I've been preparing to be the guy, but understanding that the plan is that Rodgers is going to be back on Saturday. As I I said earlier in the week, we got some more clarity on the situation. There is only going to be a a stress test, for example, or cardiac test um, if the team deems it necessary based on symptoms. And basically, it's going to be scout's honor. Do you have symptoms? No. Cool. You're good to go. You you pass the the whatever minimal physical that they're expecting. Uh, And so uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback. And... That matters because it doesn't sound like David Bakhtiari is going to play. He was doubtful, uh, did not practice on Friday. And so that is a blow for this team. Now, it is not a blow in that it makes them worse. And that's an important point that I think needs to be made here. The Packers are not worse because David Bakhtiari is not playing. They're the same. And the same is still very good. They have a top 10 offensive line by pass block win rate. They're still um, able to move fronts in the run game. The the thing that it changes is if the Seahawks want to get creative with their blitz looks, if they want to get creative uh, with some of their games, twists, stunts up front, stuff like that. It makes it easier to do that against a Royce Newman who has really struggled so far in his rookie season. It makes it easier to do with John Runyon Jr. at left guard instead of Elton Jenkins and Jenkins playing left tackle instead of David Bakhtiari. You you just have these incremental losses that make it a little bit harder to protect Aaron Rodgers. Now, this is not a Seahawks team that rushes the passer well at all, especially not with four. They do not get pressure with four. In fact, a friend of the podcast, Jake Morley, had a tweet, I believe it was this morning, where he said, Rashawn Gary has almost as many pressures by himself as the entire Seahawks team this season. And the Seahawks, you heard yesterday, Corbin Smith from Locked on Seahawks say they're not protecting well. Dwayne Brown has not been the same. And so this is an opportunity for the Packers to win the pass rush battle again. It is something they have done this season, usually with their offensive line. They weren't able to do it yesterday or last week with uh, Jordan Love under center. And and I just, 
I want to say this one thing about Jordan Love because we saw Thursday night Lamar Jackson, former league MVP, get overwhelmed with the Dolphins' zero pressure looks. With their all out, it is everyone coming and we're playing man to man on the back end. Solve it. And Lamar Jackson could it. Now, Lamar Jackson has other strengths and things that made him the MVP. It wasn't just the ability to drop back and make plays in the passing game. He is a Michael Vick level runner. But he has made big strides as a passer in the pocket, and he's been terrific from the pocket this season. He has struggled going back to the the Bengals game with these all-out blitz looks. So anyone pretending that one game, one game from Jordan Love where he was blitzed 51% of dropbacks and a lot of those were zero blitzes or they brought six, not just five, six and seven defenders. I just, I'm not interested in your input because you don't know what you're talking about. You just don't know what you're talking about. So I think this Packers offensive line is going to be in good shape. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to find guys against a Seattle secondary that is not good at all. Uh, And it's a pass rush that is not going to get home without blitzing. And so it's going to be much easier for Aaron Rodgers to be the guy to sit back there and find his receivers, Devontae Adams, MVS, Al Lazard, all those guys are going to be out there and at the disposal of Aaron Rodgers, in addition to the running backs and what they bring to bear, big dog, Josiah DeGuara, who's taken some steps. Dominique Daphne sounds like he is not going to be able to go, which means they're not going to have the same level of rotation. I think this is going to be a game where we're going to see a lot of empty. We're going to see a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of t- a lot of Randall Cobb on the field. And that will be by design because this secondary, they have issues. They have issues in the slot. They have issues outside. They have issues at safety. It's not great. I think you're going to see Aaron Jones split out a lot on Jamal Adams. Make it work. And and they can. That's the beauty of this. On the other side for the Seahawks, Chris Carson is not going to go on Sunday. That means Alex Collins is going to get the start. He's still a good running back. Uh, This offense, and you heard Corbin talk about it on our show yesterday, they have not been the same as we saw early in the season, and they have not been the same as we saw from other McVay and Shanahan tree offenses. They just don't look like that. They still want to play the Russell Wilson style. How healthy is Russell Wilson going to be? How is the finger going to hold up? Especially if he's getting hit, especially if Kenny Clark is able to go. He was listed as questionable. Is he going to be able to to make that work? If he is going to go, He's going to be able to create. He's going to be able to push the pocket. Rashawn Gary is going to have a matchup every time he's out there where you feel like he should win that matchup. They're going to be able to get after Russ. And this is this is this is where I think this matchup really works in Green Bay's favor. So the one thing that this Packers defense is designed to do is not give up big plays. And it's something they're very, very good at. The Seahawks offense, they are very, very good at creating big plays. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they're 4-3 guys. They love to create down the field. Russell Wilson, for my money, is the most accurate deep ball thrower I have ever seen. If you give him time, he will find those guys down the field. We don't know if Eric Stokes is going to play. He's questionable. Now he returned to practice. That's a big deal. 
returning to practice in full over the course of the week, that is a big deal for the way that Matt LaFleur and this, this staff have handled injuries. I think that would be important. Even still, Kevin King is someone who has had his issues. Would you start Stokes and Russell Douglas? Would it be a rotation? My guess is Stokes plays and it's a rotation the way that we thought the week before when I think it was mostly going to be Kevin King in that rotation. That was the way Matt LaFleur made it seem that it was going to be Russell Douglas and Eric Stokes, which is the right way to do it based on play on the field, by the way. But when you're an offense that relies on big plays, that means down to down, you're not necessarily as consistent. And so if you face a defense, and this is a trend league-wide right now, if you are a team that relies on big plays and you face a defense that is predicated on not giving up those big plays, there are a lot of teams who struggle to create consistent offense. Now, I think that that gives Green Bay a, a, I don't want to say an advantage, but it puts them in a good position to make Russell Wilson stay patient. And what has Russell Wilson done consistently at Lambeau Field, but in general against the Packers, really since the, really going back to the NFC Championship game in 2015, he has turned the ball over. He has not played well, especially in first halves, but overall has not played well against Green Bay. Now, these were different defensive coordinators, but the theme is the same. This, this team seems to defend Russell Wilson extremely well, whether it's Dom Capers, whether it's Mike Patton. And Joe Barry has done a really good job this season. He has this defense playing extremely well. These safeties are playing terrific football. They don't have a tight end that's going to threaten you in the middle of the field because Gerald Everett is just not that consistent guy down to down. It's why they brought in Jay Sternberger, by the way. And so it's really just their two core guys. Now, you can't double both. But if you also don't have time to get them the ball down the field, neither of them are huge run after catch guys. So if there's not a bunch of big openings underneath, this is the best tackling team in the league by Pro Football Focus. Seattle is second. And that, then that's how you defend them. You have to go 10, 12, 14 plays every time. That is a that is a good way to defend this Seahawks team. And so the matchups especially if Aaron Rodgers is going to be out there. I think really favor Green Bay in this game. And it's why I expect them, frankly, why I expect them to win. This episode of Locked on Packers is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, and the home team or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I drove past one today and thought... Should I stop? Should I stop? I had to go, but I really, I really wanted to stop. Uh, so head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Locked on Packers watch party? I'm loving it. I I want to, by the way, thank you for everyone who supports the ad reads on the YouTube stream. If you're not watching us on YouTube, we're live every Friday, 6.30 Eastern, 5.30 Central. I've got my, my, my rye whiskey old-fashioned. Usually, it's usually what I got going. And um, I want to I just 
briefly address something and then we'll go to some of your questions. There's There has been a lot said and written and talked about with this Odell Beckham stuff. And we haven't had a show really to address it, to talk about it. The Packers, um, from what I understand and from what has been reported, were a preferred destination for Odell Beckham. That was real. Green Bay, I, I, the, the interest, I have, I have personally have not been able to nail down, so I cannot speak for that part of it. But the reports were that the finalists were Casey, Green Bay, and the Saints. That those were the teams that they were deciding between. And what is always interesting to me is after he signs in LA, then you get the reports. Well, he oh, he, that was the team he always wanted to go to. Okay, well then why was that not reported originally when he was discussing finalists? I have an answer for that. Here is what I think happened. By the way, the Seahawks were one of those teams that thought they were getting Odell Beckham as well. Whenever you hear anything about the Packers offer to anyone, understand what is happening. They are leverage. That doesn't mean that the Packers didn't make an offer. That doesn't mean that the Packers wouldn't have made an offer. That doesn't mean that that report is false. I don't believe that Tom Silverstein's report that the Packers were offering the minimum is false. I believe that report. But what I also believe is that report exists specifically to say to the rest of the league, come get me. Come get me because this is the best offer. This is one of the places I want to go. They're offering me the minimum. You want me, you have to pay. And the Rams go, well, if all it's going to take is the minimum, and we know that OBJ wants to play here. Peter Schrager was saying that, that Odell Beckham and Sean McVay had a pre-existing relationship. They met in LA, probably at catch, and because Sean McVay loves that place. And they Odell Beckham had it previously expressed an interest to, to go to LA. The Rams were interested when uh, Odell Beckham was traded from New York the first time. Jay Glazer saying LA was always the place Odell Beckham wanted to go. So once everyone knew what the Packers offer was, the Rams could say, okay, here's how we can beat it with even less cap space than Green Bay. A signing bonus, small base salary, those are both very low numbers. Green Bay could have afforded that. What Green Bay could not have afforded was the $3 million in incentives that the Rams got to pay Odell Beckham because Green Bay beat them in the divisional round last year. That is the reason. Because if the Packers had offered the exact same package, the exact same contract, that's why the reports out there that are like, oh, if the Packers had shown even you know a modicum more of interest, he would be a Packer right now. No, no, no. You have to be careful who you're listening to on some of this stuff. There are certain people who are credible and there are certain people who are not. And the people who are not generally make it pretty clear that they are not credible. That's all I'm going to say about that. But the Packers, if they had tried to give those incentives to Odell, they would have had to count on the cap because they were likely to be earned because they were based on team success. Getting to the NFC Championship game, everyone say hello to my son in the background. Hi, Theo. Uh, and 
the the Rams, because the Packers beat them, getting to the NFC Championship game, getting to the Super Bowl, those are bonuses unlikely to be earned. So those two things, they count against the cap differently. Green Bay could not have afforded to give those bonuses to Odell because they would have counted on the cap in a different way than they will for the Rams because they were unlikely to be earned. So the fact that the Packers beat the Rams last year is it, it materially impacted Green Bay's pursuit such that there was one of Odell Beckham Jr. Now, the other part of this is the always a bridesmaid, never a bride part of it. I get that. But what I also find interesting is this idea that the Packers front office is interested in winning, but not interested in winning Super Bowls, as if there were some magic needle that could be threaded that would allow them to be good enough to make the playoffs every year good enough in the Brian Gutekinds era to go to back-to-back NFC Championship games, to go 13-3 and two years in a row, to, to bring in Pro Bowl and all pro level talent in the draft and the free agency, but not good enough to get to that Super Bowl level. They don't want to make those moves as if there's some magic cutoff, but they'll make all the other moves that keep them to be a winning team. You know what is the best way to try and win Super Bowls is to be good every year because you need to get lucky. You need to get lucky. The best Packers team of the last 10 years was the 2011 team and they lost in the divisional round. You need that was a great t- a 15 and 1 team. That offense was unbelievable, but they couldn't catch the ball in the divisional round. They fumbled the ball multiple times and they gave up a Hail Mary. They got some bad luck. In 2014, one of the other best teams of the last 10 years They got historically unlucky in the NFC Championship game. Historically unlucky. 2020, the other of the best teams of the last 10 years, they, I wouldn't say they got unlucky, but Cedarius Smith no-showed in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Jones had his worst game as a Packer in the NFC Championship game. Devontae Adams dropped a touchdown in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers missed a couple throws had had MVS for a touchdown in the NFC Championship game. Those are your frontline players. Those are your dudes. Those are the guys you go out and you pay money to get. You paid Zedaria Smith a top-of-market contract. You ended up paying Aaron Jones a top-of-market contract, and Aaron Rodgers was already on a top-of-market contract. They want to win Super Bowls, and I think what some people want, I truly think what some people want is for the Packers to make a move that if it goes bad, it's bad. Like it like it, it financially impairs them. What they want is a risk. And there is no inherent value in risk. There just isn't. Now, fortune favors the bold and all of that stuff. But Devondre Campbell was a monumentally important player. The Packers signed him in August. And I I brought up this point around the trade deadline. If Devondre Campbell were playing in Atlanta, where he last was, or excuse me, Arizona, and played the first half of the season like he did in Green Bay, and then Brian Gutekinds traded for him, 
Packer fans would be pretty excited about that move. Instead, Brian Gutekinds made that move before the season and the Packers benefited from Devondre Campbell for the last nine weeks. That's better. They brought in Russell Douglas, who has been a, not a star player, but he has been a, a guy that every other team in the league would like to have starting on their team. Who has right now? Think of how many teams have a better cornerback two than Russell Douglas. And he's really cornerback three because if Jair Alexander were out there, Russell Douglas would not be starting. But he is, and he's playing really, really well for the Packers. And the pro football focus grades back all that stuff up. So I, I just I just think that some fans want the Packers to take risks. They want them to, to endanger the short-term or even the long-term viability of the team with a move to try and win the Super Bowl. They want to feel like this front office is trying their hardest, even if the moves are working, even if the stuff that they're doing was good. And it was, they, they by all accounts, uh, brought in some, some really good veteran players, low risk, low risk, high reward. That's what Rick Ragnar was. That's what Devin Funches was. That's what Christian Kirksey was. They weren't as good as Devondre Campbell. Well, if you make those kinds of signings every year, you sprinkle in the spending sprees of Darius Smith. He's been a rock star. Adrian Amos, rock star. Billy Turner, so solid. I mean, that, that was one of the best free agent classes anyone has had in the last 10 years. And we don't talk about it like that. I don't know why, but we don't. And Devondre Campbell is like the best vet minimum signing of the last five years and and, and the best of, of, of the Packers in I don't know how long. I mean, unbelievable to get a player who very well could make an all-pro team, certainly deserves to be a Pro Bowl, a pro bowl player. And it was a low-risk signing. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, I like low-risk signings, especially when it's low-risk High reward. And you don't always know what the high reward is, but they're getting that high reward right now. Let's talk about GetUpside. GetUpside is this incredible app that helps you make money when you do something you're already gonna do, buy gas. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents Cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot, they're making two, $300 a month in cash back. And there's no catch. No catch. Just get your money when you want it. Cash back goes right into your account. Cash out anytime. Send it to your bank account. Send it to PayPal. Make Have an e-gift card. Send it to Amazon. You got stuff to, to deliver. Get, get that prime shipping. Sounds great. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and you get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on that first tank. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen of the day. We love waking up with you just as much as you love waking up with us. Maybe more. Maybe more. All right. So one of the questions in the chat is for a realistic timeline for David Bakhtiari. I wish we knew. I really wish we knew. I, You know, it seemed like he was doing well last week. It seemed like there was a chance he could play. 
then he didn't, and then it seemed like he was doing well this week, and then all of a sudden he's pulled off the practice field, like not doesn't even you know make the 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 stretching that you normally see with the media. So I I, I don't I don't really understand that, but but Matt Lafleur said no setback. That's good news. I have been wondering how much the the Jordan love of it all has affected this. Would David Bakhtiari have played against Kansas City if Aaron Rodgers had been the quarterback? He might have pushed a little harder. And now that, you know, he's doubtful, they could say whatever they want. Maybe maybe he does play. Doubtful, but probably not going to play. And I just wonder if if Aaron Rodgers is cleared on Saturday, if that changes David Bakhtiari's calculations. I don't know. I, th- this next week at the earliest, I think. I don't think he's going to play against Seattle. doesn't seem like he's going to. I think next week at the earliest, but don't be surprised if it's another week. Now, would you would you love it if Packers-Rams were his first game back? Probably not, especially not with Von Miller. But you certainly would rather have him than not have him. And, and if resting him now and making sure he's fully recovered and, and gets all the reps that he needs... I think that's the I think that's the best course of action for this team. What five linemen would you go with when when Bach is back? Okay. I wrote about this for the Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. There are a number of different ways that you could go about this. My sneaky favorite one, but they're not going to do this, but this is my sneaky favorite one. Move Allen Jenkins to right tackle. Move Billy Turner back to right guard, which he played in 2019, and keep everything else the same. David Bakhtiari at left tackle, John Runyon Jr. at left guard, and Lucas Patrick at center until Josh Myers comes back. The reason I do that is because the best two offensive tackles on your football team are Bakhtiari and Jenkins. Those are the two most important positions on any offensive line. If you have two stud tackles, you have a good offensive line pretty much always. And and you won't, might not have a great offensive line if those interior guys suck, but the interior guys don't suck. You're replacing Rice Newman no matter what. So when Bakhtiari comes back, that has to be the plan with the way Royce Newman has played. Has to be. He's a rookie. He's got plenty of time. He can be the guy next year. Ellen Jenkins could be the right tackle as soon as next year. Now, he's going to want to get paid like a right tackle as soon as next year, but that is a risk that I think the Packers have to be willing to take because he's the best guy. He's the best guy at that spot. And then, you know, Lucas Patrick, Josh Myers gets back, he gets to play, and you keep running Jr. and Billy Turner. And then when Billy Turner moves on, when his contract is up, because the Packers don't give third contracts, you figure out right guard, the least important position of the guards and the less important side, because it's the front side, not the blind side. That's a that's a great I think that's a great option. That is not how I think they're going to handle it. I think the more likely option is they slide Elton Jenkins to left guard, they slide John Ronin Jr. to right guard, and you go from there. That's what I think you're going to do. I, I, I don't think you move Lucas Patrick. I don't think you play like there's the there are a group of people who want Elton Jenkins at center because he's the best center. I get it, but he's also the best left guard. He's also the best right guard. He's also the best right tackle. So I, that that argument does not hold weight for me. Lucas Patrick's best position by far is center. He has proven he is not a guard, not a consistent guard. Spot guard, yes, not a consistent one. So 
play on Jenkins at left guard, play Lucas Patrick at center, and then you've got Royce Newman at right guard. You can just swap John Runyon Jr. You're not moving Lucas Patrick to right guard because Royce Newman already beat him out. We already saw that happen. And then John Runyon Jr. beat out Lucas Patrick when he got hurt, played well enough that they couldn't bring Lucas Patrick back. In fact, he didn't come back except because Josh Myers got hurt. Lucas Patrick would be a preferred backup right now if Josh Myers had not been hurt. That's why I can't, I'm not going to bench Royce Newman for that guy. I'm going to keep Lucas Patrick where I at, where he is at his best position. And I'm going to move John Runyon Jr. to right guard. Let Elton Jenkins be an all pro left guard. And then the left side of your offensive line is awesome. Uh, Jake is asking about Jordan Love. We did talk about it a little bit uh, at the top of the show. Um, but I'm I'm happy to just give you a quick reader's digest because I, I you know it's it's worth saying again. We don't know what Jordan Love is. The more I've watched the game, the more that I am actually coming away feeling better about it and better about his performance. Dusty Evely, friend of the podcast, had a great breakdown of a beautiful play design, a Portland play design. You've got the in on one side, and you've got the deep over on the other side, and it was there. Jordan Love's eyes not quite in the right place. The pressure came, and if his eyes are where they need to be, he hits MVS for a big play, potentially changes the game. Those are the little things that he has to get worked out. He's just not quite there yet on that stuff. That's okay. That's going to take time. If he gets to play again, it's only going to make him better. Uh, But as Trent Dilfer said on a podcast this week, he's as talented as everyone says he is. And he is. He never panicked. And John Runyon Jr., I thought this was really important, actually. John Runyon Jr. said to the media, I looked in Jordan Love's eyes in the second half, and he never flinched. He commanded the huddle. He continued to take control of what was happening. And that resonates with your team. Your your teammates notice that. They see that. And that stuff matters. That stuff really matters matters. All right. We're going to be back next week to talk about Packers Seahawks. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, Every Friday we do this and uh, we have a great time doing it. Follow us on YouTube. Check us out. 530 Central, 630 Eastern. Bring your beverages. I brought mine. Um, Say hello to my son once again. Thank you, Theo, for for crashing the party. Uh, Love you, buddy. And uh, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up and be a part of a show like this, you can do that on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. You can send me a text, you leave me a voicemail, whatever you want to do to tell me how you are staying Locked on Packers. 